When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay Cabot edition. Mary Kay answers questions from our Football Insider subscribers about the wide receiver position, some draft options, and a little bit about Denzel Ward and a possible extension and how Xavier Howard's recent extension might affect Denzel Ward. So that's all coming up here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Our questions came from our Football Insider subscribers who probably went to cleveland.com slash browns and clicked on the blue banner at the top of the page. So they get a newsletter delivered to their inbox every day. They get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns, and they get to be one of our text subscribers, which is where we put the call out for questions and where we pull them from. So again, cleveland.com slash browns. It's the blue banner at the top of the page. Get info, get signed up, become a football insider subscriber today. All right, here is our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. And wait, we go on our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange Browns podcast. Our Football Insider subscribers sent us in questions. Mary Kay, let's get right to it. Uh, a lot of receiver talk today. Not a lot of quarterback questions, which was a little bit strange. Maybe we've covered all the, the quarterback stuff for now. But now people want to talk about the players that Deshaun Watson will throw to. So we'll start with Nick from Sandusky, but living in Tucson, Arizona. He says, Hey Mary Kay. Do the Browns see Donovan Peoples-Jones as a legitimate number two receiver opposite Amari Cooper, or are they going to look to push him down the depth chart by drafting or bringing in another free agent wide receiver? He mentions Will Fuller and then says, I think Jarvis is more of a primary slot guy in a three wide receiver set. So he's not including Jarvis in the question. I would disagree with Nick. If Jarvis came back, I think he'd be in this discussion too. But overarching, I guess, where does this team view Donovan Peoples-Jones right now in this wide receiver mix? You know, I think they see Donovan as a really good complementary piece and wide receiver depth in the same way that they view Anthony Schwartz. They're hoping that Anthony Schwartz takes that big step up in year two. But I view both of those guys sort of in the same category as complementary pieces when they go to, you know, sometimes then they will go to four wides this year or roll guys in to do different things. I do see that they will have another starter opposite Amari Cooper that is not on the roster just yet. And that player will come from either the draft, or as you mentioned, there are still some receivers that are available out there. Uh, It's my understanding that, that Will Fuller hasn't necessarily been on the radar to this point for agent Will Fuller. Um, But Brandon Cooks has been mentioned. And as far as Brandon Cooks, he's currently on the roster heading into his last season with the Houston Texans, uh, his cash hit uh, is roughly a little bit over $13 million for this year. Um, if, the, if the Texans trade him, they can save a little bit more than $8 million on their cap. Uh, if the Browns acquired a player like that, they would have to pay that $13 million, which is his base salary plus his roster bonus, which is already guaranteed And then a number of other, he's got some incentives and some escalators in his contract that can 
hike that contract up a little bit more. As of right now, uh, the asking price supposedly is like a second round pick or something like that. So I don't see them necessarily wanting to do that right now. And the money seems to be a bit high. Although if they did this, what always happens in these situations, if you acquire a player like this in a trade and they're heading into the final year of their contract, you basically do the trade with the idea in mind that you will restructure the contract, add more guaranteed money, add some length onto the contract, and it's a win-win for everyone. So they would bring that cap number down significantly for 2022 in the event they do something like this. And they would stretch the contract out over a couple of years, maybe even adding some voidable years uh, to spread that signing bonus out over a lengthier time. Uh, so that's one I'm not entirely certain yet that, that they would be willing to do. But if they could get away without... Uh, you know, without a second round pick. I mean, I don't think they want to give up a second round pick, certainly. Uh, but if they could do something less than that, you could probably make the money work somehow. Now, if it were me and I had a second round pick to spend on a wide receiver, I would draft one. I would draft a good young receiver and then I would still make every effort to re-sign Jarvis Landry. That gives you that other really good, solid veteran piece. And then a young sort of elite, hopefully for them, elite receiver coming through the pipeline. Uh, so that's how I would approach it. Uh, Brandon Cooks in 2020 uh, with Deshaun Watson, uh, 81 catches, 1150 yards, six touchdowns last year with Houston, had uh, 90 catches, 1037 yards and six touchdowns with, with a real weird quarterback situation. Only 28 years old, which is strange to think. It feels like, you know, it feels like this guy should be 40 by now with how much he's been traded and talked about. Seems like he's a lot older than he is. He's still only 28. He'll turn 29 in September. But, you know, like you mentioned, there are some cap gymnastics that you'd have to do. This team still has a number of needs that they need to fill. Jadavian Clowney is still out there, um, potentially is coming back. And he would eat up maybe 12, maybe even a little more uh, of that salary cap space. And the other piece of this, too, is I would imagine this team wants to be able to roll over some cap space from this year. That They don't want to just spend, you know, that 22, 25, whatever the final number ends up being when Austin Cooper comes off the book as well, books as well. I would imagine that they want to have maybe $10 million to kind of roll over to next year because these bills are going to start coming due on Deshaun Watson's contract on Miles Garrett's contract. Eventually you want to extend Denzel Ward, although we had a really good Denzel Ward question. We're going to get to a little bit later. Um, if you can roll over that cap space, it gives you so much more breathing room. And we know that's something that, you know, going back to when Sashi Brown was running things and Andrew Barry was on staff, that was something they really wanted to be able to do. Yes. And when you talk about those bills coming due starting in 2023, Deshaun Watson will count more than $50 million against the cap. And that will continue for the next four years. Uh, so that is a, a huge price tag. That is a huge sum to have on your cap when Miles Garrett is also hitting his big new money starting next year. Uh, so those two contracts alone uh, are going to really impact your flexibility and what you're gonna be able to do. So having some rollover space definitely would be welcome for them. Uh, but having said that, the key for them this year, obviously, 
is to have Deshaun Watson feel as comfortable as possible. And if Brandon Cooks is something that he really would like to do, somebody that he has uh, that familiarity with, which would really be the only player that he has that kind of chemistry with, then I'm sure that it's something that they would at least consider if they haven't already. And you would have to think that the topic came up when they were working on this trade, this blockbuster deal for Deshaun Watson. So it's something to think about. And uh, you can't rule it out from a money standpoint, because once again, they can make it work. As you saw with Amari Cooper, and as you saw with Deshaun Watson, they structured the deals in such a way that those two guys together in 2022 only have a combined cap hit of $15 million. And so these guys are really doing uh, creative financing that maybe some other teams haven't thought to do in the past. Uh, it's copycat league. So once they start doing it, everybody will start doing it. But this is the kind of stuff that you get when you have uh, the brilliant capologists in the house like the Browns do. But you also can't, I mean, you know, if, if you go get Brandon Cooks, you probably can't have Jadavian Clowney too. Right. I mean, at some point, you know, at some point the money has to, has to count, right? Like you can be as creative as you want. And with these longer term deals, obviously you can do different things and maybe next year you, you renegotiate miles already or something like that. But um, I have to imagine you can't have Jadavion and cooks. And if you want to bring back Jarvis, like there's gotta be a line that you have to draw somewhere. Well, that's true. Uh, But one of the things that is still sort of hanging out there, as we all know, is Baker Mayfield's $18.86 million contract. And I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, But if his agents could come up with some kind of a deal where they could get a team to take Baker Mayfield off the Browns' hands, spread that contract out over a couple of years, and sweeten the deal for him in some way, then then there's a possibility that you can unload some of that money and then you would have more space to do something like this. So these are, these are things to, uh, to keep in mind, but uh, that's one thing to, to, you know, to wonder about. Will they have a little bit more leeway if they can unload the Baker contract? Okay, let's get into some draft questions as well. And, and some of this has to do with the discussion we were just having. So Bob Gillespie from Vila Hills, Kentucky says, Hey, Mary Kay, if low round draft picks are long shots to make the young Browns team, or at least contribute to this team, why not trade up? Now he throws out the Eagles there at number 19. I was looking here earlier They're at number 19. That would be a pretty big move, but let's just say, why not trade up in general and take one player that will have a major impact in one area of need, like edge rusher receiver or defensive tackle. Uh, how likely is it? do you think that the Browns will be aggressive and move up in this draft? Well, I actually probably would move up in this draft if, if I were them to, to go and get yourself one of the better receivers or defensive ends that I think could still be there later in the first round or earlier in the second round. Now, one of the things that, um, that, that may impact that is the fact that uh, lo and behold, somewhere out of nowhere, they ended up giving one of their fourth round picks uh, to the Texans, an extra one at the at the very end that nobody seemed to know about uh, to the Texans in the Deshaun Watson trade. And after, after I got home from the meetings and we had a interview with a small group interview with Andrew and Paul De Podesta, I forgot that I, I, I remembered that I really kind of forgot to press them on that issue a little bit and basically say, what, what happened with that? I mean, I've been told 
that um, that it was just announced incorrectly by the teams and by people, whatever. It just seemed like that was a little bit odd. But um, but I I actually would trade up. Now they still have two third round picks, including their comp pick that came from Quasi Adolfo Mensa. Uh, becoming the general manager of the Vikings. So they've got that comp pick, which is something like 104 or 103, or I don't even know anymore right now, Dan. You might have that foremost in your <laughs> uh, mind, me, but it's somewhere around there. It's somewhere yeah. between 99 and 104, and I can't remember what it is at the moment. 99. There it is, 99. Um, so they've got that one, and then they have their original third-round pick, and they've got number 44. So I would, I would mess around with that a little bit. You could even trade something from next year. Uh, if you wanted to move up and grab something pretty amazing earlier in the second round or late in the first round, such as one of these really good receivers. And it is a good deep wide receiver class and it is a good defensive end class. So some of these guys might be available. And because of the way that the Browns view different players and grade different players, you know, they might have a guy like they did last year, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa with a, like a first round grade and be able to get him later too. So um, it sort of depends on the way things fall. But if you see one of your guys that you have uh, with a really high grade, you might go up to grab him. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see their strategy. I, I mean, how extreme do you think a move up would be from, from 44 for this front office? Like how high do you think they would go? Would they try and move up on Thursday or, or would it be more realistic that maybe they would go, I don't know, 44 to 38 or, you know, some kind of small move like that. Probably more realistic to go from 44 to 38, but they have also reached that point on their roster where, you know, they they don't need a whole bunch of draft picks anymore at this moment. You know, what they really need is quality and they need uh, some really good pieces to some weapons for Deshaun Watson. So if they have an opportunity uh, to add, something really good in the first round. I I think they will be aggressive. I think they have shown by now. We obviously can see by now that they will aggressively go grab whatever they need and they'll do it however they can. So I I think that they will continue that very, very aggressive mindset. And if they have a receiver or even a defensive end that's floating around out there at 29 or 28 or whatever the case may be, I think they will aggressively go get it. Okay, another another draft question. This comes from Walter Parker in Kent, Ohio. Uh, good old Kent. Uh, Walter says, hey, Mary Kay, will the Browns go after a wide receiver at number 44 in the draft? Or do you think a defensive lineman has as much priority as a receiver at either 44 or 78? Well, you know, I, I think they'll kind of stay somewhat true to their board. Somewhat, some of it will depend on whether or not they can sign Jadavian Clowney. If they can get Jadavian, then you have a little bit less pressure to go out and get yourself that other edge because they do need a really good edge or two. So I think that will play a factor. I really do. And I think that's another reason why they might be considering the Brandon Cooks and still the Jarvis Landrys because uh, they need to be a little bit flexible with how they, they manage this. Deshaun does need another really key piece or two from a weapon standpoint at receiver. If they don't sign or trade for a Cooks and get a Jarvis, then 
I, I think it would be a priority to go up and grab yourself another starting wide receiver at uh, with number 44 or higher. Um, but again, some of it will depend on who they end up with in free agency as they head into the draft. So here, here's a question from Tyson from uh, New Braunfels, Texas. And he's, he has a question about Clowney. I might divide this up into a, a couple things. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, if the Browns miss out on Jadavian Clowney, what's next? How do they address that position? Well, I think they would have to draft someone. I think that you then would have to be a little bit more aggressive. Now, there are enough good edge rushers you're going to have to find a little bit of a diamond in the rough if you end up going second round edge, but there are some good ones. And if you are really, really drafting well, you can get still a good one, I think at 44 or move up some and, and grab one. So, you know, then maybe you do go a, whatever, a uh, Amari Cooper, Jarvis Landry combo. And then you take your, defensive end at 44 or higher wherever you move up to and then you can come still come back and I think probably still get a good receiver with your first pick in the third round depending on what you had to do to move up I still like even though he's so very small I still like a Calvin Austin three out of Memphis and he's somebody that because of that size he's less than five eight uh, because of that size he might slip to the third round but I think he can be a really cool piece on an offense. So I would consider doing something like that in round three. Okay. So Tyson had another question and this had to do with uh, some of these signings and extensions. Uh, he says, he adds, Hey, Mary Kay, what's your best guess on timing for free agent signings like a clowny, and then potential extensions that the Browns might be looking at? Well, you know, I think they would probably, I think they'd kind of like to know if they are going to have a Jadavian Clowney on the roster or a Jarvis on the roster before they head into the draft so they can decide how they want to manage the draft. But they're not going to let any of those things make or break them. They'll, they'll go about their business. They're not going to, if it doesn't work out that they have those, either of those guys, they're not going to, uh, you know, they're not going to panic. I mean, they'll, they'll be able to add the pieces that they need. Um, but in a perfect world, I think they would, would like to close those deals if they could beforehand. Um, and then in terms of extensions, I think they would like to have Denzel Ward done before the season. Uh, you know, you don't really necessarily want that to become a distraction. He's a hometown player. He's your number four overall pick in 2018. I think they want to reward him. Uh, and show that they have a success story there with it with one of their first rounders from that draft and uh, you know there's just a lot of good things about Denzel and that makes for a good feel good story for them so I, I think that's something that it, in a perfect world if they could get that done before the season they would like to do that and then um, you know and then the other thing is um, David Njoku they've been talking about extending David Njoku for a long time so that's something that could happen and the deadline to negotiate your franchise player to a long-term contract is mid-July, around July 15th. So I think that's another one that if they could do it, they would like to do it then. Again, some of this will depend on if they can get rid of the Baker Mayfield contract, that will help them a lot. Yeah, I think one of the things too is Andrew Barry's very like regimented and sort of how he does things. I, I think we've seen that over his 
short time as GM, it's very much like, okay, first we're going to do this. Then next it's this, and then it's this, and then we're going to get to this. It seems like he just has a very clear like order of operation when it comes to how he wants to, to get everything done. So I would imagine, you know, if we're going to start getting into extensions, obviously there, there's the hard deadline with David Njoku, but uh, it's probably one of those things where it's like after the draft, you know, now it's time to sit down and, you know, the guys are going to be in the building, not that Denzel Ward is sitting across from Andrew negotiating his own contract, but, you know, the guys are in the building and, and you know, they're going to be able to, to maybe kind of take a step back and say, all right, now let's get this done. Um, I, I think he's very, you know, he'll step out of it, but I think there's kind of a, an order of the way he wants to do things. That's true. That is very true uh, about Andrew. We know that about him now. And one of the things that we do know is that when you're dealing with a Denzel Ward, he has, he's under contract for next year at his option tender of 13.94, whatever it is. Uh, so there hasn't been this sense of urgency. Oh, we've got to do something with Denzel right away. He had an opportunity to get through free agency, maybe get through the draft and then turn his attention all the while staying in close communication with the agent and knowing that you're working through this issue and that that is something that is a priority for you and that you would like to get done. So that's kind of how that goes, but you're right. There is an order of operations and, um, when you know that you've got a guy under contract and you're not worried about, you know, optics or losing him or those kinds of things, you don't have to have him right there on that front burner. Okay. Let's take a break. And like I said, I have a Denzel Ward question that somebody sent in that I, I want to throw at you. So we'll do that uh, after the break. And back on the orange Brown talk podcast. So we mentioned Denzel Ward and wanting to get a deal done with him before we took a break. But here's the other side of it. So Xavier Howard, uh, I believe it was Friday night, signed an extension with the Dolphins, a five-year contract, $50.691 million in new money and an average salary. And this is the the thing you always uh, harp on, Mary Kay, that average number of $25.345 million. That is a huge number. I've got over the cap uh, opened right here. I believe that would be the new high. Uh, among cornerbacks, but I'm going to just double check that. Uh, yeah, that beats Jalen Ramsey's average per year, which was 20 million. So it's kind of a market resetting deal in a way for corners looking for something. So maybe this is what our questioner had in mind. This is Bernie from Steubenville. Hey, Mary Kay, do you think the Browns would consider trading Denzel Ward? Well, I'll tell you what. When I threw that notion out there, when they were talking about trading for Deshaun Watson, and that was before I knew that the Houston Texans were only interested in picks and not players. I proposed that if it took, if it took Denzel Ward to get that deal done, that I would have considered doing it because I am of the mind that this is a, a, it's a really good front office. Uh, It's a good personnel department. And I think they draft really well. And I, I believe that if they had to, they could have drafted a starting cornerback or found another starting cornerback, not the caliber necessarily of a Denzel Ward, because he's amazing. He's a multi-pro bowler and not easy to find those lockdown kind of guys. Uh, but I maintain that if you really had to give someone up where you nece- might not necessarily have had to give up a third first round pick, but it could have been a player instead. I thought, you know, why not do that? 
because therefore you are saving yourself all of that money and you would have your next really good starting cornerback on a rookie contract, the way that you do with Greg Newsom for a long time. And if you had two excellent starting cornerbacks on rookie contracts, that gives you a lot of roster flexibility at a time when you're heading into big, big money for a lot of guys on your football team, now including Deshaun Watson, Miles Garrett, the guards, Amari Cooper, and on and on and on. So I, I don't think that that would have been the craziest thing in the world. But when I did kind of throw that out there, I was, uh, I was kind of, <laughs> you know, I was, I got the impression that that is not something that they would be interested in doing. So as of right now, I'm going to say no, that he is a homegrown piece that they're proud of, uh, that they love Denzel Ward, and that in a perfect world, they will extend him and they'll be happy to have him and pay him market value. Yeah. And, you know, obviously Andrew doesn't talk about this stuff. You know, some teams will say, oh yeah, we're trying to get an extension done with this guy. Andrew would never say that, Um, but he did. He has on multiple occasions when Denzel has come up, called him, he's mentioned the hometown thing. He's mentioned the the homegrown and also called him a core piece, Mm -hmm. which tells you kind of how they view him. So, you know, and look, if you're not willing to trade him for a franchise quarterback, you're willing to trade him for like the 12th pick in the draft. I don't know. (laughs) That's that's sort of a different discussion. Um, Is there a chance, though, that they don't get an extension done this this summer that maybe this goes into next year? Maybe they have to use a franchise tag, something. Well, he's got the fifth year option, but, you know, however, that would kind of play out that they might have to tag him a couple of times down the road. However, that works. I mean, you could do that. That is absolutely another strategy that that you could do that. You could let him play out the fifth-year option at a very reasonable, reasonable price. I mean, my goodness. If you had Denzel Ward playing at 13.9 this year, and like you just mentioned, Xavier Howard, although if you average his contract out over the five years, five for 90, now that he's got the two new years on it, it really averages out to $18 million. But the new money average is the one that people speak of. When, you, when we talk about Miles Garrett's new money average, or you talk about his average, it's always the $25 million, right. not what you would have averaged it out with his rookie, the rest of his rookie contract and the new money. You really go new money average is what is sort of the industry way to look at it for the most part. Um, and I think it does change the game. I think that 25 does raise the bar very high. So, but remember this about Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard has had 27 interceptions in his career. Not only has he, has he had 27 in his six-year career, 15 of those have come in the last two seasons. Teams pay a premium for those kinds of takeaways. Uh, that contrasts to the, uh, to the 10 interceptions that Denzel has had. His career high is three, which he tied last year. And the year before that, he only had one or two. So in the last two years, he's had four or five interceptions, whereas Xavier Howard has had 15 interceptions. Those change a football game for you. Though You're going to win a lot of football games when you're getting those interceptions, that many interceptions. So uh, Denzel needs to keep pushing forward on getting those picks uh, because that's where he'll start to really make that money. Right now, I think you can justify not having him way up there in that strat- tra- stratosphere 
of salary because of that. But I still think that he'd probably end up getting like $19 million a year. I don't think he's going to get up into the 25s. Um, but I think right now that's if, if you're redoing cornerbacks, it's around 19. Yeah. I think, like I said, Jalen Ramsey's yearly average was 20. A lot of them kind of ended up in that 19 to 18 range, but I'm sure Denzel Ward and his agent are going to say, yeah, look what this guy just got. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is kind of where we're, where we're looking. So that has to have some sort of impact on kind of where they almost want to start the negotiation. Absolutely. They will drive a hard, hard bargain. And again, he, you know, he made the Pro Bowl again a second time this year. And he, he had a really, really nice season, got off to a little bit of a slow start, uh, but then he got himself turned around in Joe Woods defense. And he, he was a force to be reckoned with and definitely a piece that you do want to build around. And you want to be successful with your draft picks. You want to say, look, we, you know, we can do this. We, we can go out and we can draft well. And then we can take care of our players. And especially with Baker Mayfield being gone from that draft, I think that almost gives you a little bit more motivation to want to make it work with Denzel. So uh, I, I just think that in the end, they will extend him and give him market value. And I think there is something to, you know, I know you try to make these decisions and like these kind of emotionless vacuums, but I think there is something to like Northeast Ohio guy you know, grew up here, knows the area, seems to love still being in the area, does a lot for the community. And, and like, he's a good player. That's the most important thing. It's not like you're doing this to some just slightly above average corner. This is a guy who's, who's a very, very good player and still has room to grow and get better. So I, I think there's something to that too that's kind of built into all of this. Yes, I agree with you. There are certain players on the team that you just sort of hold up as, you know, sort of faces of the franchise and the good guys on the team. And you've got the Nick Chubbs and the Joel Batonios and Denzel Ward fits into that category. You want to do right by guys like that. You want to send the message that, you know, you're going to take care of your own, that you're going to take care of your draft picks, that you're going to re-sign your guys and that you're going to reward the good guys like a Denzel Ward. And I think they will do that. Okay. Let's talk a little bit of special teams. We don't have to talk a lot of special teams, but the Browns, as we're recording this on Monday, did sign a punter this morning. Corey Bohorquez uh, from Green Bay. Brian from Tip City, Ohio asks, hey, Mary Kay, any sense for the plan around kicker this coming year? We saw what drafting a solid kicker did for Cincinnati and the Browns desperately need consistency there. Does it feel like this is headed towards now that they kind of have punter squared away? Does it feel like this is headed towards what what we've talked about in the past, right? Some things just feel obvious that the Browns are going to draft a kicker. Maybe on day, probably not day two, but early day three. That's what it feels like to me. That's what it certainly feels like to me. Uh, So yes, I I would say that's where it seems to be going right now. I don't think there are a lot of available kickers out there that you could just go out and sign uh, as a free agent right now. Perhaps you could also trade for one, uh, but I think that they would be more likely to just go ahead and spend one of their draft picks on a kicker. And who knows, they might even uh, trade up to get a kicker uh, with, with one of those, like up into the fifth round or something like that. So, um, so yeah, I think that uh, I think it's headed that way and it's, it's the right thing to do. I mean, they have to end up with a good kicker this year. They cannot, I mean, there's just going to be too many close games once again, and uh, they cannot afford to go through what they went through last year. 
I mean, we've talked so much about the quarterbacks in this division, right? Like you've got two kickers in your own division, you know, one guy in Baltimore who, if you just get to the 45 yard line and he's got a chance to win the game, you're, you're done. And then another guy who was just ice in his veins in the playoffs and has pretty good range as well. You know, it's kind of, we've had the arms race. Now I guess we have to have a leg race in the Mm -hmm. AFC North. Absolutely. And it is pretty amazing uh, that those two guys are right here in the AFC North, because I mean, when you think of money kickers, uh, certainly those are two that come to mind. There are others, uh, but those are two now that, that you really, really think about. And it makes such a huge difference in strategy. And, you know, it, it makes a difference in even, even extra points, especially when you're kicking at Cleveland Brown stadium, right? I mean, it's not a given to, to even make those extra points into the dog pound end. And so, yes, you have to have a very, very reliable kicker and somehow, some way they will end up with one. And I think now, you know, you can see that, uh, you know, that they, they acquired a, a really, really good returner and now they have their punter and now they need the last piece in the triumvirate. And that's the kicker to put it all together. They need better special teams. Yeah. And I, I went and looked up the 82 yard punt that this guy had last year. So I found it on YouTube and I, I can hear Mike prefer already because it ended up being a touchback. Um, he he out, out kicked his coverage, I guess they couldn't cover it. It, it bounced inside the 10 and uh, nobody could get to it. it. Ended up being a touchback. So I could just hear Mike prefer on a Thursday morning, just berating to us that, yeah, that was a great kick, but it was a touchback <laughs> not, not being good enough for him. Yeah. Yeah. Very funny. But I mean, he, he's got, he's got plenty inside the 20 as well. And, uh, and he's really good. So they, they did a good job with this and, uh, and at least they have one, one key piece and poor Mike Prefer. I mean, he, he needs to have some thing good, you know, things to feel good about because it's been a, a long road for him. And listen, you'll take a touchback if it travels 82 yards. That's fine. You, you can live with a touchback if, uh, sure. if that's what precedes it. Okay, there we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Lots of good questions, as always, from our Football Insider subscribers. Uh, if you're not subscribed, go get subscribed. Cleveland.com slash Browns and Blue Banner at the top of the page. And, of course, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to this podcast. If you missed our AFC power rankings, go back and listen to that roundtable from over the weekend. It was a lot of fun. Uh, find out where we put the Browns. I'm Mary Kay. I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.